What's going on, friends and family? Thank you guys so much for joining Every Day is a Saturday with your host, me, myself, and I, Brian Roof. Hey, guys, another great day, another great interview. What can I say? But before we get started, I just would like to start off by thanking each and every one of you guys for tuning in, watching, liking, sharing out the show. I can't thank you guys enough. Great things are coming to Every Day is a Saturday. Um, you know, and you know, I can't thank you guys enough because all of it is because of you guys helping me get my voice out there, helping the veterans get their voice out there. I can't thank you guys all enough. Some of the great things that have happened uh, since you know, it's been what about six months since the the podcast started, and I mean, some of the great things that have happened. I have uh, got in touch with Gunroom Radio, have become a radio DJ on Gunroom Radio. Uh, now I'm a part of Military Broadcast Radio as well. Wacky Wednesdays got picked up by that. It is, I mean, there's just so many great things going on. And like I said, it's all because you guys out there liking, sharing, uh, checking out the show. And uh, I can't thank you guys all enough. Without further ado, though, let's go ahead and get into our next guest. My next guest, he served his country proud in the United States Marine Corps and Army. He's a retired uh, firefighter, paramedic, and is part of a nonprofit called Soldier Songs and voices in which gives free instruments and songwriting workshops for veterans. Let's meet another real hero, Jack Blades. Hey, good morning, Brian. How's it going? What's up, Jack? How you doing, man? Oh, I am doing I'm doing pretty darn good today. Doing pretty good today. I said morning. This is gonna this what time does this broadcast anyway? Uh it actually um I think it comes out at about 1.30. Usually well so like it, it drops two different times. So on Spotify it comes out on midnight. So you're, you're you're okay there. Already, then, uh, already. Yeah. yeah. On YouTube, it usually comes out about one thirty, because uh, I do usually like a watch premiere, and that's usually the time I'm usually available to watch it. So, I and usually it's like always morning it. somewhere, right? Yeah, absolutely, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, I'm uh, just used to. Uh, you know, I uh, one thing that I, I also host a radio show on uh, MBR. Uh, the morning show on Friday mornings, you know, we're on from eight to 10 mountain time. So I'm always used to saying good morning when we do these things. Right. Yeah. And at that part, I did forget to mention, and I was going to go ahead and say that because uh, yeah, that's actually how I met Jack is uh, watching MBR and I tune into their show every Friday morning. Um, I'm usually, you know, here in California, just waking up, grabbing some coffee, able to get in and uh, listen in on to your guys' uh, great conversations. You know, you never know what you're going to get. Uh, love, and uh, I enjoy watching you guys and, you know, calling in and being a part of the show, man. It's fun. Well, you never know what you're going to get because we never know what we're going to do. We make it up on the fly, you know, and live radio or, or live podcast, whatever. And, uh, yeah, it's always fun. You make me feel entertaining, the fact that you uh, are willing to enter, to get up early and, and uh, tune in, even though I guess it's not – not uh out of your way sounds like sounds like you're up early doing other things you know that's one thing that didn't stick with me with the military is i hate getting up early i fucking hate it i think it should be illegal to have to wake up before the sun comes up you know (laughs) well now man i think i am well now that i've uh, kind of been out for a while i've been way easier to adjust to it because i mean even when i got out of the marine corps the job that i went into started at zero five you know <laughs> yeah zero five dude and i had to get up like at zero three forty five or something like that usually you know get myself ready and then commute to work so 
Yeah. There was no, a time ahead. before the Marine Corps that I actually worked for a bread company as a as a vendor and delivering uh, bread. I won't say the company, but uh, uh, worst job I ever had. Worst job I ever had. First off, you had split weekends. You're off Wednesdays and Sundays, so you didn't even have oh, two no. days off together. And to yeah, get no. there early enough to you know to uh, get all the grocery stores and everything delivered on time, you had to be there literally at three thirty in the morning. And I'll never forget, I, I was talking to one of my coworkers and I said, you know, this, this job sucks. I'm going to go find something else. And I don't remember what it was. And he was like, oh, you might have to work night shift. I was like, what the fuck you think it is when you show up at work at 3.30? That's night shift. <laughs> I don't care what you call it. <laughs> right? Man, yeah. And that's something I definitely don't like is no night shifts either, man. Certain time after the, if I'm not that kind of person, like if it's a, those those late night shifts, because uh, we even at my other job, it was like uh, there was a late shift from uh, you get in at three p.m. fifteen hundred, get out at uh, zero one thirty or something. I was like, no, nah, no, nah. not my deal. <laughs> well, I'm a uh, night owl, so you know, I'd, one of the best jobs I ever had. had yeah. for, Some people for a are such shifters, man. Yeah, yeah. So you're probably the guy that likes to sleep more till like you know ten a.m. Yeah, although Let's although see. I've realized now that I'm now that I'm getting old, it's a lot easier to wake up early, uh, and I and I go to bed early too, <laughs> you know, for yeah. me. But yeah. part of that is my my partner, my lady. She uh, you know, she's very much a morning person. If she sleeps past five a.m., she's like, I slept in, and I'm like, no, not me. Uh, no. Nope, yeah, man, nope, I remember nope. hanging out with my grandpa when I was a little kid, and man, that son of a bitch, he was a masonry, he built block walls. But he, he would be up at 3 a.m. in the morning, every morning, and uh, watching the news, getting himself ready for work. And then uh, he'd go to bed around 7.30, 8 o'clock, you know, that evening, though. Mm. <laughs> so, but, man, I could always remember I'd be waking up as a little kid, and he'd be like, what are you doing? It's too early. I'm like, I, I just heard you out here listening to, you know. <laughs> The news that came out there. You woke me up. What do you What do you think I'm doing? <laughs> yeah, like get your to bed. But hey, man. So let's learn a little bit more about Jack Blaze. Let's talk about your your military service. You know how what made you end up joining? Um, I know I don't for some crazy reason you went in the army. And yeah, so uh, uh, we're gonna have to hear about all this stuff. So let's get there, and then we'll come back and talk about uh, soldier songs and voices and all that good stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, my my grandfather. I have to start with my grandfather just because he's a he's a he's a true hero. He uh he lied about his age or didn't lie about his age, but he got his mom to sign for him so he could enlist in 1944 at 17, and he got put on security on a merchant marine ship, and uh was only was only on the ship for like three months, and a kamikaze hit his gun tub and killed everybody else in the gun tub except for him. And they actually threw him on the uh, the pile of dead bodies because they didn't expect him to live because he had a sucking chest wound and all that stuff. And uh, I'm actually halfway through writing a song about him. But uh, so he was in the Navy. And then my dad was in the Army uh, during the Vietnam era. Um, but he did not go to Vietnam. But so I grew up. Well, I say I grew up. Up until I was six years old, I was an Army brat. And then we moved out in the middle of nowhere. But uh, so... I had that tradition, and so in 1993, I joined the Army, 
And of course, my granddad gave me crap about not joining the Navy. But uh, to be honest, I, I, I always had that um, Marine Corps mentality, I guess, you know, you would call it. And uh, so joining the Army and I was going to go to Ranger School and all that stuff. And I had that in my contract and they sent me to MEPS and, and all of a sudden they discovered that I was colorblind. And I was like, well, I knew that if you would have just asked me, I could have told you that. But then for some reason in the army, you can't be in infantry if you don't have full color vision. I don't know what the fuck that was about. They said something about you won't be able to use night vision or something. But I use night vision all the time when I was in, well, not all the time, but I use night vision when I was in and it was, you know, worked fine. But anyway, so the, so my job list went from, you know, anything I wanted to do basically down to three jobs. and. uh so it was laundry, bath specialist, chaplain's assistant, or small arms repairman, right? And the recruiter convinced me that a small arms repairman was just the armorer and every unit needed an armorer so I could, you know, find whatever kind of unit I wanted, which of course was bullshit. But uh, so I got in and, and it turns out that my job was basically the gunsmith. I was a third shop, you know, maintenance for the gun, for all the weapon systems. and. Uh, so that was kind of cool. I mean, I can I can build an AR in my sleep now, uh, but it was uh, so anyway. From '93 to '96, I was in the army, and that was my my hitch. It was just a three year hitch for that, and uh, didn't do jack shit really. The uh, the closest I came to deploying was when the the Marines went into Haiti. The Rangers went down and sat on an aircraft carrier, and I went over to Gray Airfield on Fort Lewis and sat on the airstrip for about two days, and because uh, I was attached to to support the Rangers at that time, um, but that was as close to anything exciting I did in the Army, except for I have to say they uh, uh, we got involved somehow with this exchange thing with Japan. So I went to Japan for two weeks, and that was that was pretty awesome. But I got to be honest, I don't remember a whole lot of it because on the flight over, you had you know international flights, so you had free drinks, and we started drinking oh, on the plane. On <laughs> right, right. And we we uh they told us anyway. I don't know if I believe it. They say we drank the plane dry because they cut us off with about you know six hours left yeah, in I the flight. It. I believe it. Yeah, but. Uh, and so we, we spent two weeks over there, and that was really cool. But th th those Japanese dudes, man, they drink their asses off. I mean, we Hockey and stuff we like landed, that. and there was a party, and we, I mean, like I said, I really don't remember a whole lot of the two weeks there. I've, I have a few pictures, luckily, but uh, I do remember we were we were doing a night op, and uh, they were serious about about night ops. I mean, there was no light at all. We didn't have, you know. Um, the, the drivers didn't even have NVGs. We were just trying to follow the little black light on the on the uh, bumper, and we were in the back of this uh, the old style like Willie's Jeep, and uh, we ended up rolling into a, a, a drainage ditch. And I'm really glad it was it was angled down so it suspended the Jeep because it was nothing but a tarp over it, you know. So it would have just squished us like crazy if it hadn't been for that. But uh, yeah, that was, I'd actually forgotten about that until I just now started talking about it. But yeah, I smacked my head. Um, I still insist my K-pop was on and then came off, but they were like, you weren't wearing your helmet, were you? 
But anyway, that was that was a different story. <laughs> so, uh, so in '96, it was really funny because because I went in for for my re-up interview, you know, and and they were like, "Oh, this is your first time. You'll get you'll get anything you want," you know. And I was like, "Cool. Well, I want to change my MOS. I really hated sitting behind a workbench all day, you know." And uh, they were like, "Oh, well, your MOS is shortage. You can't do that." I was like, "Okay. Well, then I should get a bonus, right? If it's shortage." Ah, well, it's not that shortage. And I was like, okay, well, then I want to pick my duty station. I want to go to Germany. And they were like, oh, cool. We can definitely make that happen. And uh, they, uh, <laughs> he was like, but I, I got to be completely honest with you, man. I can't guarantee Germany. All I can guarantee is European theater, which, which includes Kuwait and Saudi and Turkey and all these un unaccompanied tours. And I had just gotten married not too long before that. And uh, I was like, well, I, I don't want to risk that. I know how the military works. You know, that's a, that's almost a guarantee you're going to get fucked, you know? Oh, and uh, oh, and I was like, so so what exactly are you offering me this? I could get anything I want kind of thing. He's like, well, you could go to Korea or you could stay here in this unit. And, uh, you know, we were, we were core support, man. We For us to deploy all of Fort Lewis would have had to pick up and deploy somewhere. I mean, because we supported everybody on post. We were basically non-deployable, you know. And uh, he was, uh, we had just gotten in this, this new first sergeant and captain oh. that came together from a forward support. And so they had to come and improve how, you know, high speed they were and and all that crap. And it was just, our unit was not set up that way. You know, that's just not the way we did business. But uh, they came in, and so they started calling, like, alerts every morning at 4 a.m., you know. And then you get there, and, of course, they'd bitch because you weren't fast enough. And then they were like, but since you're here, y'all just go down to the shops and start working. Well, after about three days of that, you're caught up for, like, the next year's worth of work, you know. And uh, they still kept doing that. And so then they'd walk through the shops and start fucking with you about, well, if you don't have any jobs, you should be reading your TMs and studying your TMs and all this crap. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going home, you know. <laughs> I'm going back to Texas. And uh, so I got back to Texas and honestly, I almost immediately felt that urge to go back in. And so I went to the reserves for a while and uh, that sounded like the coolest thing in the world. You know, I was going to be an op four NCO for, for the training battalion there. And, and I was like, wow, that's cool. Get, I mean, your whole job is just to be up four. I mean, how cool is that? And uh, so which for those listening that don't know, Op 4 is just like you play the bad guys when people go out and do training in the field. But uh, the reality was every drill, all you did was sit there and smoke cigarettes for two days straight, you know, maybe go to a meeting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just horrible. And I, I could not deal with that at all. So uh, after about six months of that, I got back out and, uh, about a year after that, I was like, you know, I still miss it. And my wife got pregnant and I didn't have insurance or anything. And and so decided to go back in again because I'd been feeling that pull. And so that was when I, I went down to talk to the Marine Corps because I'm like, you know, the Army told me straight up that if I went back active duty, I'd have to go right back into my old MOS. 
and uh, that was and of course this is in 98 so they were like and that's if we even let you back in because you know clinton had downsized everything and they were paying people to get out even you know in 96 when i got out of the army there were guys that if they'd made e4 and admit an e4 for i think it was eight years they wrote them a check and said have a nice life you know and uh separations paid bye-bye yeah but uh you know, so so they were really picky about who they let in, and it's funny how that goes in cycles, right? You know, especially once you once the war started, it was like you know anybody who has a pulse, you know, get in here, and and then afterwards they were like, oh, you've got the wrong kind of tattoo, you need to uh, go go find something else to do with your life, you know. But anyway, I I get diverted easily. Uh, the uh, <laughs> So I went and talked to the Marine Corps, and this is how this is how much I wanted to join the Marine Corps. They were like, "Yeah, you can come in, but we have to take two stripes from you, so you go from E4 down to E2. But don't worry, you'll get it back in no time, right? And uh, uh, and you have to go back through boot camp, you know, because because we march around in circles better than the Army does, which is actually true. But at the same time, it's like you, you didn't really teach me anything I didn't know, other than we actually care about this stuff more than the Army did. Basically, I do have to say though the the marksmanship program was was worth it. I mean, the marksmanship program for the Marines is just in a class well above what the Army does, you know. And uh, I was a, I was a good shooter before I went into the Marines, but but you know all the the reading the wind and the dope and and all that stuff that they teach you it just that you don't get any of that in the army, you know. And and uh, Man, you know this was the... and stuff when they got you really. I mean they they you don't just do the range like one day, you know what I right. mean? No, there, it's there's a whole buildup before you even hit the range. Yeah, and it's like I mean they get down to like scientifical stuff. I mean. It's crazy. A lot of people think, you know, Marine, oh, dumb, dumb guys, whatever. They have no idea how much education is in boot camp. I yeah. mean, even yeah. when it comes to history and in, in, uh, in the Marine Corps, too, we need to learn the whole Navy structure as well because a lot of times we deploy with them. So, right, right. You get and, a little uh, ram on the Marine Corps. Sorry about that. <laughs> no worries, man. But I, I'm, yeah. I'm completely with you on like the history, you know, and, and just that whole pride and tradition and everything that that you know is instilled in you in boot camp i mean it's you know and you have to uh you know you had to read books you know i had to read what was it rifleman dodd i think i don't know if that's still the the basic you have a copy <laughs> nice <laughs> nice I, you know what? i don't think they give this out anymore because people were like i don't know what that is i was like uh, i got this in 2000 so maybe they don't i don't know yeah that's funny <laughs> okay so you were you were you were really close right after me so yeah yeah were you still iron sights then mm -hmm. yeah 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 okay. hitting hit, hit you know hitting the target at 500 meters with a oh man you still got it all yeah look yeah, at this I, bad boy mate i kept mine for a long time and my uh my second wife i had it all in like a bin and i was like you know, see, see if you can get something for the for the uniforms. Uh, you know, if they'll give you something worth having, nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Band. Look at the boot band, man. So worn yeah. out. Yeah. They don't wear you those know, anymore either, do they? Got too many things, man. This Go is crash. original boot camp ink ink stick. Ink stick. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Sorry. Moonbeams and portals. And yeah. Go yeah. fasters. 
yeah, yeah. Scuttle bucket. Scuttlebutt. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we uh but yeah, I really I really actually enjoyed I know this sounds sick and twisted, but I enjoyed Marine Corps boot camp. A because I really enjoyed the marksmanship program. I really enjoyed the history part of it. I've always been a history buff and uh love the history part of it and the you know the pride and the tradition and all that in there. And um, I really, I really think all the forces should try to incorporate something more like that, because uh, it's just a. I mean, that, when you learn about people like Dan Daly and Smedley Butler, and you know, of course Chesty Puller, you know, and and just yeah, all these really larger a. than a. life Cunningham. people. Yeah, it, I mean, no, it gives you so much more pride, and I think that's why you see uh, Marines, um, and I'm saying other branches don't have pride, but you know you terms of like when you see marines are really prideful <laughs> like i mean look at me i got the flag and mm. i got flags everywhere i got myself tattooed with the marine corps emblem and stuff like that you know it, it's because man when you go through it they make you learn not just what you're doing today but they make you learn what everybody before you did and it and gives you something you have to live up to yeah you know? absolutely yeah. Uh, definitely because uh, you don't want to let that legacy down list of war heroes like yeah and they definitely go through them and i mean that's why even in boot camp there's names after uh, all the medal of honor recipients and stuff like that a lot of the o courses and stuff are all named after medal of honor people but uh yeah there's just a sense of pride in the marine corps and i'm not saying it's like that i'm not saying it's against anybody else but you yourself have been through army and marines and i have several other buddies who have gone to different branches and they all will say it's just a different brotherhood a different kind of camaraderie in the marine corps right it, it absolutely is but it you know one thing that it, that was interesting though was in in 93 in army boot camp it was kind of before all the uh you know mothers of america kind of things <laughs> yeah. took over and you know right. we still have wall-to-wall counseling and they uh you know that they would not just cuss at you, but like cuss you out. You know, you're a worthless piece of shit, all this kind of crap. You know, your mother's a whore, all the stuff like you see in full metal jacket. And, and you know, a lot of people are like, nah, they wouldn't do that. No, that's exactly what we did. You know, um, I almost got my air. To- I almost got my ear torn off by a drone instructor. The really? Black Friday, yeah. the very first day. Yeah, man. <laughs> wow. He saw me in my face, dude. And he came up and uh, snapped me by my ear and pulled me by my ear to the middle of the squad bay and was yelling in my ear. I mean, I probably, that's probably why I do got, uh, <laughs> that's why I got tinnitus probably due to that one incident, man. Yeah. I, I forgot that that had how he just, just you fucking move again like that. I'll rip your ear off and shit down your throat. And I'm just like, I, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but in, uh, in 98 Marine Corps boot camp, it was a lot, you know, it was all you freaking nasty trash kind of thing, which was just, I felt like mm-hmm. I was in a, trapped in a Yosemite Sam cartoon, you know, it was just, it didn't have the same impact. Of course, I, you know, having already been through it before, and that's one thing that, that you realize the second time through is how scripted boot camp is. I mean, it's extremely scripted, and and the same things happen in, in in both services. You know, like I'm sure you remember. I don't know, probably day two or three when 
some random dude was suddenly pulling guard duty on your quarter deck and the MPs come in and arrest him for failure to train or whatever and drag him out in front of everybody. I mean, that happened in the army also, you know, it was, it was just, and the second time you just, you're trying not to laugh about it because you just see it and it's so transparent, you know? And uh, so that, so that, like I said, I enjoyed Marine Corps boot camp because it was, you know, a I, I liked all the the uh, history and everything of it, the marksmanship program. But the, you know, knowing what's coming and knowing how it's going, it just kind of, it takes a whole lot of that kind of fear of the unknown aspect out of it. You know, because you hear all the horror stories, you know, and you see the movies and and that kind of stuff, and you just think, oh my God, this is what am I in for? You know, and and once you realize though what you're in for, and it's really not that bad, it's just like, oh okay, but. Um, yeah, so it was interesting, and, and like I don't know why, but I don't ever remember like polishing my boots in Marine Corps boot camp. But in in the army, I mean, that was dude, you had to have mirror finish on your boots in boot camp. Oh, and yeah, we did it in boot camp. Oh yeah, yeah at least uh, when I was went through it, and uh, see, nowadays they have the digitals, you know, and 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 they yeah. don't gotta press them and all that stuff. But back when when I was going through, man, they we had to sit there, make sure we had the press, you know, shine mm-hmm. boots, and we would sit Creases there, just, and... you know, you'd sit there with your white t-shirt and the the your shoe, and just sitting there, and mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit of water, a little, <laughs> little water, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, man. yeah, we did it, I, yeah, definitely did. And I don't think they have to do it anymore. I think there's probably, but see, here's the thing. I mean, it, you got to look at it as a way that that kind of probably wasted some time. You know, uh-huh. now they got more games to play in, in lieu of not spit shining their boots. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But uh, yeah, so I, so anyway, after boot camp, I, uh, and, and of course, because I didn't want to end up back behind a desk and the Marine Corps, they don't care if you're, got color vision or not they'll they'll give you a rifle and send you you know so I, I signed up as an 03 um so after boot camp i went to soy and it was interesting i actually um uh, we actually had the opportunity right towards the end of soy to uh they had a recon in dock and uh, the uh which which was supposedly unheard of to actually get that in SOI at that time. That you know normally you had to go to the fleet and and do all that good stuff. But um, and while I was there, I, I like I said, my wife was pregnant, and I and I got to thinking about you know here here was exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to go in and be like the elite of the elite, and and do all that high speed you know shit and. Uh, but when the end dot came, I was like, you know what? I, I actually don't want to do that because I've seen, you know, like I said, at Fort Lewis, we supported everybody and we supported first SF group. And uh, you see those guys, you know, they get called in at 5 a.m. sometime and fly out for three weeks and or, you know, three weeks, three months, who knows? And it's just, uh, you know, they're constantly in the field and constantly going. And uh, I realized I didn't want that for my child, for my newborn, you know for me to be gone all the time and not be there to raise her. And uh, so I decided, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do the in-doc. 
and somebody's and one of the one of the instructors from recon was like well you know have fun filling sandbags for four years and uh it was weird it just clicked in me at that time i was like you know what the fuck am i doing i really you know my time to do this was years ago now I'm, i have a family i have to think of and and i don't want to spend all this time in the field so uh so i actually w went in and told him i said hey i don't think i can do this for four more years you know um i i think i think i need to go home and of course they were like you know well you'll you'll be out of here that to before you know faster if you just graduate and leave you know and go to the fleet and i was like yeah but it's a whole lot harder to get out once you're in the fleet than it is uh you know here in training and it was really kind of funny because i ended up getting an entry-level separation from the marine corps even though i was prior service and and it was just i mean i didn't actually qualify for an entry-level separation but that's what they gave me so um yeah, so for a long time, actually, I was really hesitant to even tell people that I'm a Marine because, you know, it felt like, and this was in 98, you know, I got out actually in 99. So if I'd done my full hitch, you know, it would have carried me through 2001. And then, you know, chances of deployment being stop lost and all that shit definitely would have come into play. And so I really felt uh, quite guilty for that for a really long time that, you know, I had, uh, even though... I've done a lot more service than, you know, 90% of the country or whatever it is. It still felt like it wasn't enough, you know, and, and I felt very part of that, that Marine Corps pride, you know, of, well, I didn't live up to everything that came before me. And it, it was really a, a struggle for me for a long time. Like I said, I, w I wouldn't even tell people that I was a Marine. And then you know, for a while, I would say, well, I was in the Army, and I did a little time in the Marine Corps, but I don't really consider myself a Marine. And it was just, it it was, a, like I said, it was a hard thing to come to terms with. Now, I'm like, you know, um, whatever anybody says, I got my EGA, you know, and I stood on the top of the Reaper, and, and you, you know. You earned your title, bro. You I, yeah. Yeah, I earned it. And so so now I kind of tell people kind of like, you know, in the Army, you go to Ranger School. Well, I went to Marine Corps School, you know, because that's a... I went in, I got the cert, and um, so yeah. So now I'm 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 back to being extremely proud of being a Marine, and and you know it's uh, um, it's something that I really I really carry, and 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 it's been uh, um, it's been good for me actually to kind of re-embrace that, and because I I'd gotten into a really dark place, which so I went from uh, from the Marine Corps. I came out and then after 2001, actually, you know, when all that took off, um, again, I felt the urge that I needed to be involved and I joined the reserves again because I still had a family and I was like, well, you know, if, if they send me away for a year, that's one thing, but, you know, I won't be in the field all the time. And, and they stuck me in a pack office and uh, I did that for about a year and, uh, when I about the same time I, I joined the reserves, I applied to get into the Houston Fire Department, and which is a a long time kind of thing. You don't apply and get hired like a week later. It's a it took me like a year to get awesome, in. Yeah. And uh, um, but part of the reason it took me so long was because the reserves were like you know, uh, the I don't remember exactly why. Maybe it was our two week thing or whatever, but. Because I was in the reserves, I had to postpone my fire academy for some reason. And so um, 
because you were once in that happened, yeah. right? And then once that happened, I, uh, you know, I was like, okay, well, you know, my, my time in the reserves is I'm, I'm in the fire department now, and I need to go do that. And, um, you know, which is kind of funny because there was a lot of guys that were in the reserves that uh, I went through fire academy with, but, um, so anyway, I got into the fire academy, and uh, was a became a paramedic and uh did 11 years in the fire department and uh ended up having to retire early for uh uh physical things that that i think now looking back i realize it was actually you know um trauma related from you know it, it's interesting because my military time was really extremely quiet you know by by everybody's standards nowadays you know uh never deployed never had anybody shoot at me, nothing like that, you know, so it was really, really pretty quiet, and, uh, but the fire department, being, being a paramedic on the streets really kind of messed me up, and, and, uh, you know, seeing all kinds of crap like that, and, and, um, you know, in, in the city, and it, and it's interesting, because it's, you know, it's supposed to be, uh, you know, so many people think that, that that kind of stuff just doesn't happen in the U.S. Just, uh, you know, the kind the the way, you know, the way people treat each other kind of thing, you know, and and seeing people executed and chopped up and all that kind of stuff. You know, you think that's kind of third world shit. But no, that that happens in in big cities, too. And and even outside of big cities, but happens more often in big cities. And and so it, uh, you know, it really um over time built up and and i ended up one day i was i was getting ready to play hockey and uh i suddenly got the worst headache of my life i thought i was having a stroke and then i i ended up with a migraine for uh i say migraine because that's as close as what i can describe it but i ended up with a uh migraine for uh eight years i mean non-stop just eight years and they they ran all kinds of tests and they thought that you know um you know they kept thinking uh you know brain bleed and they thought you know spinal fluid leak and and all kinds of stuff and of course at every stage there's all these ridiculous tests and the worst one was imagine having a 10 out of 10 headache you know the worst headache of your life and they take you in and they shoot radioactive dye in your spine so you have to get a spinal tap to get this radioactive dye shot in your spine and then they yeah. put you on this, like, it looks like a fucking carnival ride where they, you lay down on this thing and they strap you down and then it literally shakes you to, to distribute the, the dye through your whole system. <laughs> it just, so, I mean, that was just mm. a ridiculous kind of torture thing that, that they, they put me through. And, and it was, uh. Yeah, so after a while, I was like, you know, I don't care. You guys are done looking. I said, you're not, you're not fucking <laughs> with me anymore. But uh, and so they gave me a prescription for hydrocodone and sent me on my way, you know, and said, have as much of this as you want, you know. Oh fuck. And uh, and it's amazing because this is not, you know, people talk about the VA and how bad the service is there so often, but this was not through the VA. This was through my fire department insurance that was, uh, yeah. you know, supposedly awesome coverage and you know awesome help and um so What's it was your like time frame around the time frame when this is all um, going down that was tw- uh 
that the headache started October 23rd, 2013. Wow, so, you got the uh, date back, man. Sheesh. Yeah. Yeah, I remember exactly when it was. And it was a Sunday night. Like I said, I was getting ready to play hockey. And, and uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but uh, so they didn't find yeah, anything. And they took the you know, told me fuck off and take pain pills. And uh, so in 2018, my partner got offered a job up here in Boulder. And so we came up here and I found a, a, I ended up stumbling onto a dentist who is like the foremost TMJ expert in the country. And, mm -hmm. uh, she looked at me for like 30 seconds and said, uh, you know, anyone ever told you you have lockjaw? And I was like, what are you talking about? You know, and what it was, was because I was carrying all that tension in my jaw. My jaw was I was like always grinding my teeth and didn't realize it. And my jaw had been pushed up into, you know, the back of my skull and and that was causing all the headaches. And so it's been a process. But ever since 2018, it's gotten better and better and better. And now most days I don't have a headache and I'm, you know, and that's how I can get up and, and, uh, you know, play music and do that kind of stuff now. And, uh, so somewhere along the way in about 2021, um, I got a, and I think it was on Facebook or something. I really don't, don't remember exactly how, but it was, it was something that said, Hey, are you a veteran that likes music and would like to meet Vince Gill? And I was like, well, all of those things, yes. <laughs> um, because, you know, I played a lot of music like in high school. But then once I got into the military and family and all that stuff, I kind of set it down. And uh, but when I when I was flat on my back, I realized that, A, I could play my guitar on my back, you know, just laying there. And B, it actually really helped to have. I mean, there's just something really therapeutic about music and just playing and, and kind of, you know, the vibrations of singing and all that felt really good in my head for the for the headache and so I'd, I'd really gotten back into music as a form of of you know uh, self-medication honestly and uh so when when they offered to to let me meet vince gill who I, i've always loved as as a performer and it uh, turns out he's a great human being also and uh this was during covid so we had to do it through zoom and everything but that was really cool and this was this group called soldier songs and voices and uh you know i realized that uh, yep that's the one and they said uh you know it, it was a week-long workshop where they had you know songwriters from nashville songwriters from texas independent songwriters come in and actually teach people how to give how to write songs and uh and then one of the people that came in and talked about his process was Vince Gill. And then afterwards, we, you know, there was a Q&A session and we just got to sit there and shoot the shit with Vince Gill, which was awesome. But um, about a year and a half later, I got it because I signed up for their email list. And about a year and a half later, I got an email saying, hey, we're having this retreat uh, in person now. And so you should come down to Hallettsville, Texas, and, you know, you'll get to meet songwriters and stuff and have this brotherhood with other veterans that have all come together to, you know, heal through music for, you know, trauma or, or whatever that they're having trouble with. And uh, so I was like, yeah, sure. And what's really funny about it is, you know, when uh, 
when I said after we got out of the army, we moved out in the middle of nowhere. Well, Hallettsville, Texas, about 10 miles away, there's a town called Yoakum, Texas. And that's actually where I grew up. <laughs> so it was, uh, it, it was really kind of funny to go back home, basically, to this organization that was really, um, once I got there, you know, in person, it was, they were really fundamental in helping me, you know, deal with my shit and, and, um, you know, put it all into music and, and know that it was okay to write songs about this kind of stuff, you know, I mean, um, so it's, it was really just so therapeutic for me that once I was physically able, I felt really um, motivated that this was an organization that I needed to be a part of. And so now I'm, uh, I'm the head of the Denver chapter of Soldier Songs and Voices. We've set up a chapter here. And, and when I say I'm the head, I'm basically the face. The, the other guys actually work so much harder than I do. Uh, big shout out to John Evans, who is a VA employee and an Army veteran and, uh, he, and musician. He's a uh, um, he's a big driving force behind behind the organization now here in Denver, and he actually helped us uh, get into VFW Post One in downtown Denver, which is the very first VF, VFW in the country, and it's an art gallery now. They have a, a Veterans Art Commission that is based in there, and uh, so we are holding our meetings there. We're going to be having functions there uh eventually and and it's a it's just such a cool space you know you go in and there's veteran artists you know pictures and paintings all up and down the walls and they've got a flag there from when they were founded and uh i think it was 1899 you know it's still only got four, like 45 stars on it or something i mean it's it's clearly not a i think it's 45 stars on it and uh it's just a really cool space but this yeah what you're pulling up now with the the tr ranch that's the one in in uh hallettsville and it's it's really that that's a neat story in itself so this guy is a such a big fan of of fiddle music huge fan of fiddle music he's actually in the texas fiddlers hall of fame even though he doesn't play the fiddle because he uh he had had a roommate in college that was from Hallettsville and he had come down and visited him and thought this place is awesome. Well, he went off, graduated college and made a ton of money in solar, I believe. And so he came back to Hallettsville and bought a ranch. And the whole purpose behind this ranch is music education. And so he, uh, he hosts like fiddle players, conventions, schools, all these things at this ranch. And it's just, like I said, he's an awesome guy. And uh, he, um, in the Hall of Fame, even though he doesn't play, just that's how much he's contributed to the community. And one of our guys uh, who started the whole thing in Nashville actually moved down to Austin and heard about this ranch and went and got us involved with this ranch also. So that's where we hold our retreat now. And it's uh, always in November. And like I said, you go down and, and you never know who's going to show up. There's, uh, um, you know, mostly people in the Texas music scene. Uh, like there's Butch Hancock, who is legendary in Lubbock, you know. Uh, just all these guys that have been writing songs and, and successfully writing songs and making money off of it since, you know, the 60s a lot of times. And so they really know how to help you tell your story. 
and that and that's the that is the most valuable thing that we do in my opinion now we also help veterans get get uh instruments you know so that they can because you can't you know you can tell your story but it's a whole lot more powerful if you can put some music with it and uh so you know we we help get them help them get instruments and then we help them learn to play them and then we help them write their songs and tell their stories and i say them i mean our you know because it's uh it is such a cool organization and now you've got the picture here of tony rosario up and he's my good friend here in here in denver and he uh he's our resident uh songwriting expert and he's been writing oh, songs right here do what Really got he was up a little bit, I think. I would say the old guy with the guitar, but that kind of doesn't narrow it down. <laughs> but anyway, Tony Rosario, he's been uh he's been writing songs forever. Uh was successful in Nashville for a while and uh great musician and even better person. I mean, just uh um awesome guy. But he's our resident, you know, mu music expert and uh he's he's there. He's not a veteran, but he has uh, sons that were in the military. And uh, so he is constantly, yeah, that's in there on the left, um, you know, giving to the veteran community. And, and it's just an awesome thing to see, you know, because I, I understand why I want to step in and help veterans. But, you know, for for non-veterans to step in and, and commit their time like he does, is just such an amazing thing. And uh all the you know everybody that's involved at the higher levels of this are uh um just wonderful people most of them are not veterans but they they have dedicated their time to to helping us and it it's just such a beautiful thing to see and the and the camaraderie when you go down to the to the retreat is just amazing you know you're you're isolated on this ranch you stay there um you're up in the morning and it's it's a, it's a real intense experience. You have, you know, classes on how to write songs, but also classes on, uh, you know, just because the biggest thing about writing a song is you have to be honest with yourself and you have to to put that honesty down into the music, um, especially if you're hoping to get, you know, any kind of therapeutic effect out of it. Um, you know, getting that shit out of you is just so helpful and such a big thing. But before you can get it out of you, you have to realize what it is and where it is and and kind of come face to face with it. And so it's a um, it's a really powerful thing. And, and they have, you know, um, generally, well, last year they had, a, you know, a therapist there who was taking the courses and everything. But he was also there if you, if you had something that you just really wanted to talk to a therapist while you're there, which was awesome. Um, and it's just... Like I said, the whole thing is just such a such a camaraderie thing and such a bonding thing that, you know, um, I think we were talking about on my show about how, you know, in the military or no, I guess it was your show that, that uh, the other day on Wednesday that, you know, in the military, you form such strong bonds. And uh, then, you know, one day it's over. It's just like, you know, you're there the next day, you ETS the day after that. And you don't ever see that person again, you know, quite often. Like I have, there's literally one person that I, that I have spoken to from my army days. Um, 
in the last 20 years, you know? Well, and you know what? You know what? Even more so when we were in, dude, we didn't have cell phones and stuff like that right. readily available. Or if you did, you they're super expensive or you maybe had a pager. You know what I mean? Right. But we weren't good at like social media type stuff like everybody is today. So the yeah, chances of to- contact was a lot harder. I mean, a lot of us are probably reconnecting now as Facebook and yes. all those things have come up. But be, yeah. but back then, yeah. man, we lost each other. You know, right? Because you had to like physically write somebody a letter. Or... Like a going away party either for you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, oh, it was. Oh, Luke's leaving, so let's let's throw him a party. You know, like nah. No, it, it was just. Like that, man. It was like one day, all of a sudden, or sometimes, like how it happened to me and a, another buddy of mine. We abruptly got orders to go mm. to a different unit, and it literally they were like, "Go to your room, go pack your shit." And I'm like, "Bro." Fuck. Where was it? Where's everybody at right now? And no one yeah. was even around. And next thing you know, I'm gone. And it's like yeah. we didn't, and we didn't really have a way of keeping contact. Yeah, you know, I had to drive my ass way over to their fucking, you know, the 22 area if I wanted to go see him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, the squad leaders even like, "Where's Roof today?" Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. You know, it's oh, like APCS. Yeah, one of us, we two of us got plucked out right out of our unit one day. Like uh, someone was coming through and they needed two Marines. And and they needed two Marines at their unit. And uh it was literally like roof, Ojeda, you guys are leaving. Go get your stuff out of your, your uh barracks. I'm like, what? Okay. Yeah. And I was I was actually happy because the, the unit I was in was horrible. I was like, anywhere I go, it's gotta be better than this. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the grass was greener, but it is crazy how things happen and then you lose contact. But it's a mm-hmm. lot even more so, I think, for our generation of uh you know, uh, military members that went through. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it just wasn't, I remember one guy gave me a slip of paper with like his social on it, which how unheard of would that be these days, but his social, um, and some other kind of number that you could call some, like the, the military actually had like a network where you locator, could call and if you, locator, yeah. yeah, yeah. And if you had certain information about them, you could find them. But uh, of course, ten minutes later, I lost the slip of paper because it was about this big, and and uh, you know, so so I remember there was there was a way to keep in touch, but it was just you know writing letters, making long distance phone calls, kind of thing, and and that that goes away really quickly, at least for me it did, you know. Yeah. And uh, and also, you know, I was um, especially when I got out of the military and the, or the Marine Corps and the way the way I got out, I was very much like, I just don't even want to think about that stuff anymore, you know. Yeah. And uh, it. Uh, so. Like I said, I, I've t- spoken to one person since, since I got out and uh, but that camaraderie, you, you realize how much you miss it, you know, and. Uh, even in the fire department, you know, you have it at a certain level, but it's also, it's just not the same, you know, it's a, it's a whole different kind of thing. I mean, it's still a very good and brotherhood kind of thing, but it's, it's not the same, especially like the Marine Corps, you know, it's a, it's, it's a different thing. Now I felt quite close and that, and that's kind of one of the things that actually really kind of helped me come to terms with, with my Marine Corps time was, uh, getting into the fire department and you know of course all the veterans we quickly uh kind of conglomerate together and and all the marines you know when hearing my thing was like you know just as welcoming as if i had done my 
you know, four years or, or whatever. And it, and it was just such a, a big thing for me to, to feel that again, that, that brotherhood and, and to feel like, you know, like I was worthy, which I know that I don't really want to get into all my psycho bullshit, but <laughs> you know, it was, uh, you know, like I said, I struggled with, with my Marine Corps story for a long no, time. No, and, and, and I get it, bro, because you know what? One thing that we are trained, especially when you go through the Marine Corps boot camp, is is failure is not an option. Right. And uh, you know, I and then when and when when we get out, there's a lot of failures to happen, bro. You know what I mean? And yeah. and, and that, that's where a lot of us get hit in the nuts. We're just like, fuck. We start feeling like failures. You know, like no, yeah. it's not that yeah. you're failing, bro. It's just that some things don't work out the way you know it, it's just different you know and you got to learn how to adapt and overcome but i can i could sense that you probably had a, a sense of failure in your in your in your oh, mind, absolutely. you know yeah. and, and and then that that just right there man puts a bad mindset and then boom you go you go down that fucking trail of bad decisions uh regrets uh yep. all those yep. things that happen when you, you you feel like uh you know you're failing yeah and you know, re- realizing too that that's one of the things that pulled me into the fire department was was kind of wanting that that brotherhood again, and, and you know, feeling that, you know, I've always had this pull to serve, you know, clearly, <laughs> and uh, you know, it. Uh, so I forget where I was going with this, but that pull that pull to serve really pulled me into the fire department, and uh, you know, and and it was a really good thing, you know, once again associating with veterans that we all kind of, you know, we all had our own story, but it was all the same story, which is, which is one great thing about, you know, veterans is, is that, you know, we may have served in completely different theaters, completely different time periods, but there's always that connection, you know, everybody has the same story, even though it's completely different, you know, and that's, that's really it's, it's weird, but it's, I, yeah, it is crazy how it all works out. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. and I think that's why, um when you get like when someone meets each other and they find out they're veterans or whatever it's like they can just instantly have that connection you know yeah. and it looks like these people knew each other forever you know like no man, these guys just literally uh just had a conversation and they found out they were marines and boom <laughs> you know it just yep. goes in and it doesn't matter like you said man generation to generation from uh different you know theater to theater whether you you know combat non-combat you know there's just a relation there you know that we all got through especially every one of us has to go through boot camp yeah and it doesn't matter whether you're infantry or support you got to go through boot camp we all 110 percent go through that experience together now from there you know we can't uh, your your marine corps career can definitely take some different changes and and stuff like that but sure 12 weeks in the marine corps everybody goes through it you know yeah yeah and we'll all always give the air wing shit you know <laughs> you know and the coast guard and stuff like that when we when we acknowledge them you know just mm. it's just something we do i think it's just fun and banter but i mean anymore i have the utmost appreciation for every single uh armed forces whether you know you were someone sitting behind a desk or you were out there you know, shooting, taking down, you know, the bad guys. Um, right. Everybody had a mission in there. And uh, whether they think that it was significant or not, 
I don't care. You know, whenever you put you swore in, you gave the commitment that there's a lot of people out there. Let's face it, a lot of people don't want to make that commitment, man. They right. Want to go and, out and you're and writing a blank off. check. You know, right. you're writing and, that blank check. Whether you're signing up to be a you know pack clerk or or you know a ranger, the fact is, and you know that's what the, that's another thing about boot camp that you know you noticing how scripted it was was uh, I'm sure they did it to y'all too, where you're having some class right on whatever land nav or you know history or whatever and and all of a sudden like 10 people walk into the room and lock the doors behind you and say hey such and such conflict has just exploded you know for us in 93 it was uh uh, kosovo you know Uh, all the you know the balkans has gone crazy so all of you guys no matter what your mos was now you're all infantry we're shortening your boot camp you know next week you're you're you know going straight to infantry training and, uh, you know, and then they were like, so anybody that has a problem with that, y'all need to, you know, get up and go talk to your whoever now, you know, basically they were just seeing who was going to quit with that happened. And, uh, but they did that in 93 in the, in the army. And then they also did that in 98 in the boot in the Marines where they come in and they try to scare the shit out of you, you know, that, that it doesn't matter what you signed up for. Now you're, you're going to the front lines kind of thing, you know? And, uh, it was interesting both times nobody nobody like stood up and was willing to to leave but it was you know that really kind of drives it yeah, would you want to be that guy in front of like 50 other dudes like right 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 like you better some bitch better never come back <laughs> yeah yeah but it uh you know that really just drove the point home that it doesn't matter what your contract says because at the bottom of that contract everybody's contract reads the same thing you know um open to the needs of the military or or what at the discretion of of the army you know that says that it doesn't matter what you said we can change it at any time and you know and, and we found that out the hard way you know when they started stop lossing people you know in uh oh four or whatever it was and 2003 and, uh, yeah, 2003 yeah yep. and uh you know i've always thought that that was just complete bullshit the way they did that and you know and I, knew even like, dude, I knew a dude literally like he was he was like doing the checking out process they're like sorry nope yeah, man but i mean i think the stop loss only lasted i think six months maybe i think it, it maybe six months eight months i don't know but uh it's he didn't he wasn't stuck too long but he he got so fucking upset because boom he's giving orders too to go over to kuwait and all that Uh and here it is over 130 degrees in kuwait man (laughs) you you can just see the 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 pure depression in him man like fucking walking around like I couldn't imagine. I mean, I mean, it's one thing that you're getting fucked because you're getting stop lost, and then you got to go out and sit in the fucking desert, you know. And <laughs> and then they, I mean, it's like the worst time of the year over there. It's like we're hitting like 136, 140 fucking degrees during the day. Nighttime, it's still up in like the 110s, dude. Yeah, it was miserable, and it's like, wow, what did you do in the world, dude? You got really <laughs> right. You got some bad fucking karma, dude. <laughs> man, I tell you, dude, that son of a bitch was so happy when they were like, all right, starting to send people home, man, because he was one of the first ones to get on and go back home. But because obviously they once they lift that, that app, he was like, fuck, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to be here no more. And it's like, man, you son of a bitch. We're stuck here, bro. Come on. I hate it. I, I, honestly, I was a hater 
whenever uh-huh. I see uh-huh. guys packing their shit up, I'm like, they're letting you leave? We all got to stay here and fucking fight this shit? You're, you're gone, man? I'm like, damn. Yeah, I told him this, and I was like, you fucker, dude. Wow. People were just, I mean, there was a lot of guys getting out of there for stupid reasons or whatever. Mm-hmm. They found the excuse. Once they were, like, taking volunteers to leave, man, anybody find a reason. Like, oh, my, my wife, my, my girlfriend's been pregnant for two months. We're like, what? Oh, we've been here fucking eight months. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's she pregnant by, bro? Like, <laughs> Would you mail that shit in? Or? <laughs> yeah. So. But uh, yeah, man. Is there anything else you want to talk about with soldiers and song and voices, man? Or actually, yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on. We're uh, we're really taking off here. We've uh, like I said, we're in VFW Post One now. We also got hooked up with this uh, group. Oh, that's what I was looking for. The email that I can't remember the name of it at the moment. It's a, a American. It's basically a nonprofit for peace kind of thing. Um. And they're they're putting on a production of a modified version of Henry V in September, and so we've been asked to come in and do some music for it. And so we're going to have a few uh, um, a few promo shows before the actual play, and then we're going to do some music with the play. So that's that's super wow. exciting. I've never done anything like that. Um, you know, I actually I was like in musicals and stuff in high school, believe it or not, but. Uh, uh i've never like tried to come up with music to put with a play kind of thing and so that's gonna that's gonna be an interesting exciting thing and luckily i don't have to do it by myself you know as an organization we're gonna do it but it's uh yeah. so that's super exciting we're, we're getting that going um we're, we're trying to get to where we all can kind of play together also instead of you know because a lot of us um, that's one thing about starting a chapter is that especially as a musician everybody i know kind of here is a musician and so the people that we've gotten so far to join our group are all like performing musicians. And uh, so we're all kind of doing our own individual thing, but we're going to try to come together and do like a, almost a band kind of thing to where we can all kind of play together and start doing hopefully promo events like that. Um, and and we really want to try to get people who just, you know, they may not have any musical knowledge yet who, you know, all you have to do, you know, even if you don't want to write songs, you don't have any interest in learning an instrument. If you just want to come hang out and listen to us play or just come hang out and and talk and, and you know, just just join the camaraderie again, like we were talking about before. That's that's our main purpose. I mean, yes, the songwriting stuff, the therapy stuff, the the, you know, music stuff is all wonderful. And we love doing that. But if you just need some place to come and hang out or even just want some place to come and hang out, you know, that's really what we're there for is to have veterans come and hang out with us and appreciate music, you know, and, and, and have that camaraderie that that's really what we're about, you know, and while you're there, we'll be glad to teach you what we know about music and, and how to write songs and how to play and, and, you know, even how to how to get gigs and do that kind of stuff if you want. Or, you know, how to just sit in your bedroom and pluck on a guitar or a piano or, you know, to to help yourself get get out whatever you want to get out, you know. And that's uh, that's what we're about, man. So we're. Uh, we're taking off and we're we're trying to get bigger and give uh, 
give veterans a place to be. And we're how many chapters have, are there? Thirteen. Thirteen chapters. Um, you know, I honestly don't know. I know we have one in Connecticut. We have one in uh, uh, Portland, uh, Oregon. We have one in. Uh, uh, there's several in Texas, uh, San Antonio, Austin. I think there's one in Houston, but I'm not 100% sure. There's one in Nashville. Um, I think there's one in South Carolina too. But yeah, I, I don't I don't really know exactly how many and exactly where they are. But I know that we are coast to coast. If you happen to be in the right state. But and also we're always looking for people to to start chapters. You know, if you know somebody. That's going to be my uh, question to you. How how would if someone was interested, in, you know, they didn't have it local to them or in their state, how would they go about doing that? Um, well, you can contact me, or you can contact the uh, the um, national office in down in Lockhart, Texas, and that's the website that you pulled up and showed. There's there's uh, you can get on our mailing list, obviously, but you can also there down at the bottom, there's a contact of if you want to start a chapter, you can email Dustin Welch, who's the uh, the founder of this, and um, we'll get you set up. That's outstanding. That's great, man. Yeah. Oh, so uh, one more thing. One more time. Make sure everybody knows soldier songs and voices. That's right. right. Check them out. Go show them some love. Uh, this seems like something amazing, especially if you love music. I know for me, I've always loved the acoustic guitar and, mm-hmm. and uh, stuff like that. And I just never, you know, been able to go and pick it up and just do it. But uh, this seems awesome, man. And I and nothing like, you know, music is just very therapeutic. I love listening to music. And it's just, it really is a, uh, um, you know, like a, a tone setter for you in, in, in stuff a lot of times. It really help you through uh really shitty times at times it can really get you uh, out of that funk kind of and at least you know maybe bobbing your head and and just you know getting some moving and grooving a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah and and i'd be i mean this may sound like hippie voodoo stuff but you know just the vibrations going through your body of the music is just that there's something about that that is therapeutic even if you're just laying there perfectly still and you can just feel it going through you and it's there's nothing like it. You know, I think Tom Petty was the one who said, you know, music is the only magic I've ever encountered in my life, you know, or actual magic or something like that. And uh, yeah, to me, music is magic, you know, and, and it's so healing. And uh, one thing I wanted to bring up too that I'd forgotten to mention is we are working on, um, um, of course, I may not be supposed to, to say anything yet, but we're working on a partnership with a group called Guitars for Vets that they also um, are kind of similar, but we, they, what they do is they uh, recruit people who have no. Taylor, Taylor, I think Taylor's part of that. Taylor Um, and Yamaha are both associated with them. And uh, they, uh, they take, especially people out of the the, um, mental health units in the VA hospital, but anybody can do it. They'll take a vet, and they'll give them 12 weeks worth of guitar lessons. You know, the basics, of, this is how you hold it. These, are, This is an A chord kind of thing, you know, really basic instruction. And at the end of that 12 weeks, if they've completed all their, their instruction, they give them a guitar. And so, um, you know, what we're trying to do is kind of pick up from there, you know, once they get their guitar and have their basic lessons, then they, hopefully we can get them in 
and you know, you know teach what it them sounds like. Further. It sounds like it sounds like uh, their boot camp, twelve weeks of boot camp, and then you guys are MCT or right. or SOI afterwards. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's a very good analogy. Yeah, that's too funny. So so yeah, we're uh, we're we're hoping that that's going to be a very fruitful uh, partnership, and and hopefully we can hopefully. we can help some folks. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, and it, it's joining forces too. Vets help vets. It's it's a great thing, and uh, you you guys can make each other stronger. You know, and uh, that's a, that's the amazing thing about it. And I love seeing when that kind of stuff happens because great things come from it. Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, is there anything else that Jack you left out? You want to say uh, any motivating last thoughts or anything you want to say before we get out? Um, no, not really. I, I well, actually, yeah, I'll say that. Uh, you know, if you want to see some of some of our uh, our veterans in action uh, on my show, and I'm and I'm gonna try to reach out to other shows and get them on, is some of the some of the. Uh, performers that we have in our organization that that are at the level of getting out and trying to perform music and uh so we're trying to get them exposure on podcasts like yours and mine and uh going to be reaching out to others and so you'll be able to see the end results of send them to the gunroom radio if they want their music to be heard on a radio station and you got these guys all that's another thing that can happen you can start sending them to the gunroom radio and say hey you guys want to be played on the radio here you go here's an opportunity uh, yeah, more, know, uh, more, uh, more exposure more, is always better. You know, the more yeah. we can amplify and that's maybe what that's I love about shows like yours. The, maybe that's just part of the circle. You know, you, now you go from doing all these classes and then next step, you get onto the gun room radio station and have yourself played over there, man. There you go. There <laughs> you, you get go. onto the podcast shows with two drunk dudes in the gun room. Cause, uh, Donald, that's kind of what he's been doing a lot with focusing on his podcast is trying to bring, bring mm-hmm. on, um, you know singer songwriters that are veterans and uh have them talk about their story and why they're doing music and and it's 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 really awesome and then yeah i gotta be in top 20 man so yeah i gotta connect with him it sounds like a great great thing and you know and that's and that's we were talking about before this off air that you know one of the great things about doing podcasts and things like this is the whole point is to try to amplify veteran voices give the give the veterans out there you know, uh, a platform to speak and all these organizations out there that may, may or may not know about each other and give them a place to connect and, you know, do more good for veterans. Cause that's what we're here for is to try to try to amplify veterans voices and do good for them. You know? Absolutely, man. And I love it. So like I said, we're definitely going to keep in touch with all this stuff. And I, I obviously I'm a big fan of you guys on, MBR, I love watching you guys. So, oh, and, thank uh, you for calling in. And uh, you know, I, man, we got to definitely, you know, keep in touch and uh, definitely want to uh, introduce you to Donald Dunn. I think not only would you, your your music be good for it, but uh, also I think you'd make a good radio DJ, bro. <laughs> well, we'll have we'll have to negotiate that. See if y'all can afford me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, man. You know, Jack Blaze on the Gun Room Radio. That just sounds. It just has a good tone to it, man. Right, so. right. And then you know, with my with my background, we can talk guns and music. You know, I can. Yeah, man. Bada bing, bada boom. Right. You, you right. know. So, all right, cool, man. Well, it was, uh, 
a pleasure having you on, man. I actually uh, enjoyed uh, having this conversation with you. I'm Look, appreciative of you coming on, taking the time and, and spreading and talking all the stuff that we talked about. The pleasure's all mine, man. I, I, it was great. I'm absolutely. happy to be back anytime. So. Oh, yeah, man. Absolutely. I uh, love having people back on and uh, uh, especially, you know, if you want to ever come over and hang out on the Wacky Wednesdays, you're more than welcome to join in and uh, always so it's always great to have guests on that show and and uh interact you know it's a little bit uh less formal and just chill man so yeah yeah just make up some stuff kind of like we do on on friday mornings yeah man <laughs> just wing it wing, wing it, fly. it yeah all right brother well, well uh, thank like you I sir said, yeah buddy thank you man we'll be in touch. Yeah. yep hold tight all right, friends and fam, that wraps up another great interview. I want to say again, thank you everyone for watching, tuning in, and uh, man, I can't appreciate you guys for all the love and support. Also, guys, go out there, check out, you know, Soldiers, Songs, and Voices. If you're interested, uh, you know, go get yourself an instrument and learn how to do some songwriting. I think it's a great uh, way to deal with uh, mental stress and stuff like that so uh, check them out all right all right guys well that's gonna do it for this episode i just would like to say thanks again and until next time Arr.